good morning and welcome to Life Church. I'm Aaron Cole, the senior pastor. It's great to see you today. Everybody having a great day? Uh, how many of you have had caffeine this morning? Come on, tell the truth and shame the devil. I love me some caffeine. I'm like, right now, like a double espresso that I just have between services and woo, I'm ready to go. I don't know about you, but I'm ready to go. Well, it's great to see you. If you have your Bibles, if you turn me, with me to Luke's gospel, uh, Luke, uh, it's the second book in the New Testament. If you don't have a Bible, it's going to be on the screen, but if you do, go ahead and get that up, because I'm going to be kind of walking through several passages of Scripture right there, uh, kind of that whole passage uh, in Luke's Gospel, chapter 5. And if it's okay with you, I just want to get right into the message today uh, for the sake of, of time and everything else. Um, I, uh, let me say it like this. This weekend, I'm going to begin to, uh, uh, kind of a, a series, in essence, more of a thought, more of a talk, if you would, this week and the next several weeks. Um, I, I put time in my preaching calendar. I kind of am pretty, pretty methodical about how I go about uh, planning on what I'm going to preach, and I pray about it and process and all of that. But, but I just leave these holes, these gaps, if you would, just to really just kind of, uh, sometimes it's kind of overflow. And, um, and this is one of those times, and I, and I love preaching like this, because it's just like, here's something that's really heavy on my heart that I feel like is for all of us as a church. Um, you know, because the Lord speaks to you, and sometimes it's for, for you. Sometimes if you're a pastor or a preacher, communicator, it's for uh, the group in which you lead. Um, you know, in the next several months, I'll be going to Calcutta, India, and preaching at the, the Buntings Church. Um, I'll be going to Amsterdam, to Holland, and preaching to the Holland Assemblies of God and all their pastors. Uh, there's several things. And so I'm working on multiple different topics and different groups and things. Um, but this is one of those things that began just very kind of organically for me. Uh, kind of on the rotisserie of my spirit, you like that? And, um, and just kind of there, and, and it's just something I really feel like is for us. And so I just want to kind of uh, open it up over the next couple of weekends. And so hopefully it will make sense and minister to you. But it began with a conversation back several months ago. I was in Lisbon, Portugal with Michael McNamee. Uh, Michael is the director of Convoy of Hope Europe. Uh, which is a humanitarian aid, gospel, uh, message, preaching organization uh, that you support, that we support. Matter of fact, Michael will be with us in the fall. And so if you've never had the opportunity to hear him, he is, he's a great, great, great preacher. If he ever loses his accent, he'll have to get content. But he's funny to listen to. And uh, he's from Ireland, from Belfast. And God radically saved him and changed him. He was in the, with the, uh, uh, the IRA. And just an amazing story. And so I've traveled with Michael multiple times, and we were on this trip, and he wanted me to meet a guy named Juan Martinez. Now, Juan is Portuguese. He lives in Lisbon. That's his hometown. And, and for probably for 20-plus years, he's been working with Teen Challenge Centers and developing them. Now, Teen Challenge is a substance abuse program that started in the United States and has gone worldwide. Uh, we have two. We have a men's center and a women's center. And most weekends, you'll see a van or a couple of vans of guys or of ladies that will come to, to a weekend service, and they'll be here, uh, and it's Teen Challenge Milwaukee, and we support them, and, and, and incredible. It's one of the best, uh, the highest success rate of any drug, alcohol, dependency program anywhere in the world. And so, Schwann had kind of developed this throughout Portugal. I got to see several different sites, and, and in recent, last couple of years, he just felt like the Lord said, okay, we're done with this, and I want you to start a church. So, he began a church. Uh, very, very life church like in uh, Lisbon. And so Schwann is also one of these people that uh, he just kind of talks, just like he's very cool. Like he could do like 
uh, you know, like he could do like, you know, uh, light rock radio station in the midnight, you know what I'm talking about? Like, welcome to 98.5, it rocks the metro. He just has that voice. And so Aaron, 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 Aaron. Michael, Michael, Michael. So good to have you today. And, and he's bilingual. Which anybody that can speak more than one language, I'm just like utterly impressed with you. I mean, I do two languages, uh, redneck and English, but that's not much of an accomplishment. But people that can legitimately, I'm like, wow. And if you do three languages, you're just like a stinking genius. Am I? I'm just like, how do you? So he, you know, just great English and he just got this voice. And I'm just like, man, I could like rule the world with a voice like that. So we're sitting there and we're on uh, Portugal. Uh, I mean, Lisbon is a... Um, it's, it's a waterfront city where the Tigris River and the Atlantic Ocean, kind of that whole bay all comes together. And it's this outdoor cafe, very European type of a feel, lunch uh, 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 that we're having, great food. And he makes this statement that catches my attention. And he says this, he said, he's he said, I just want you to understand one of the most spiritual things you can do as a mature Christ follower is what you do around a meal and around a table. Well, talking to me, he had me at hello. I'm like, hey, that's, that's my spiritual gift set, right? Food, eating, meal, table, I'm there. I am very spiritual. Keep talking, Schwan, and I continue to eat. And we're at, you know, the Portuguese people, uh, that's the Brazilian steakhouse concept kind of comes from there because that's Brazil, Brazilians are from Portugal originally. And so it's just, it's, and so I'm just, the food is phenomenal. That's all I'm going to say. And it was just all you could eat. You know, the guy keeps coming by the table. And, and so anyhow, I feel like it was like, Fogo to shower, like on steroids. And so I'm just, keep talking. This is spiritual, right? That I'm eating all this. And so, and he makes a statement and it hits me. And he said, there are 20 different times in the gospel of Luke alone where it records that Jesus was eating at the table. Jesus was eating. Jesus was conversing. That life change was happening around the table. And it was like on the inside of me, just, it was just like it just hit. Now, you hear pastors say, God spoke to me. And can God speak audibly? Sure he can. How do we know that? Because that's what the Bible says. Listen, our experience should always align itself with God's word. If your experience does, is not found in God's word, it's just you. It's not God. Do you understand? It's, it's, our, it's, it's our everything and our all. We lean so heavily on God's word. If it were to move, we would fall. So when somebody says, well, God did this, and there's no, there's no precedent for it in Scripture, it's like, doo -doo 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 -doo. you're going to a new time and space. You better get your stuff and depart. I mean, I'm just saying, it's just, it's person. But when we find it in Scripture, we realize that that's how God works. And so, yes, can God speak to you? audibly? sure he can. But most of the time, what happens is, is to the person of the Holy Spirit, the role of the Holy Spirit, that person, that, that third person in the Trinity, in the Godhead, a Father, Son, Holy Spirit, his role is to illuminate, is to enlighten, is to resonate truth in your heart and in your life. So that when you hear something that is right, there's like a green light that goes off that you go, there's something about that that really is for me. And if you hear something that's not of God, there's like what you would hear someone make the phrase, that's a check in my spirit. It's like there's a yellow light or a red light. It's like a warning. This is, this, something's not right about this. That, are you tracking with me? Okay, so as he says this statement about life change that happens and the spiritual maturation that happens around the table, it just hits me like it resonates with me. It's like there's something there. So what I began to do from that point is I began to read the Gospel of Luke over and over and over again. I've read it before 
I've read it, you know, in undergraduate programs. I've read it, and I've read it, you know, to preach, and I've read it, you know, in my devotional. But I begin to read it looking for this one facet. Is Schwann really right? Does he really have the right? Is this really? And I began to read through there. And so on my flight home, I'm, I'm reading it several times. It's a long trip. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm reading and, and I'm going, and my question too is, God, is this just for me? Is there something you want me to get? Or is this something for the church? Why? That's my, you know. And so as I began to read and research this, this is something I really felt like this is for us. And... Um, and so what I wanted to do this weekend and the next and the subsequent weekends is I want to talk about this open table concept. I want to talk about this theology of the table, of, of, this, of this life change and this Jesus encounters at the table. And so as I began to read the Gospel of Luke, and Luke's a physician, he's very detailed, he gives you a lot of insight. I find this first interaction around the table in Luke's Gospel chapter 5. So if you have it, Luke's Gospel, chapter 5, verse 27, Luke says this, And after this, comma, which means you need to go to the preceding verses. When anytime you see something, therefore, after this, because of this, there is, they're telling you this, what's about to happen, has happened because of what's happened ahead. So we'll have to go back to that in a minute. After this, Jesus went out and he saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. And Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house. A large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with him. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and with sinners? Jesus answered them, Is it not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick? For I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners to repentance." Lord, I just pray these next few moments that you would just, Lord, help me to adequately and effectively communicate the word that you have put in my heart for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. The, the first thing that we see here is, it goes back to that, the beginning of verse 27, after this. And, and what we see there is there's an encounter with Jesus. So if you're taking notes, write that down. Encounter with Jesus. Anytime these conversations around this open table concept happen, anytime they happen, they're preceded they're, they, they, by, by an encounter with Jesus. And if you go back to the, to the verses right above this, starting in verse 17, you'll see what happened. You'll see the reason why Levi left everything and followed Jesus. You'll see the reason why Levi threw a house party for Jesus. You'll see the reason why Jesus makes the statements that he makes. Look at, at verse 17. I want to read this for you. One day Jesus was teaching. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law were sitting there. They'd come from every village of Galilee, from Jerusalem, from Judea. And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They tried to take him into the house and lay him before Jesus. But they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd. So you imagine a room like this is so packed and so full. People are in the hub. They're in the foyer. They're spilling out into the parking lot. So just imagine this. Jesus is on the stage standing where I'm standing and he's teaching. It's packed. And they couldn't find a way to do this because of the crowd. So they go up on the roof and they lowered his, his mat through the tiles in the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. So they go on top of the roof. They basically get a, a welding torch. They cut open the metal and they lower him down. While Jesus is teaching, all of a sudden this man's being lowered on a mat. That would get everybody's attention in the room, right? It wouldn't get your attention. You didn't drink enough coffee. I'm just telling you, if you heard welding torches coming through, it's what's, this is what's happening. We, again, we read the Bible so like, oh, 
No, like, so verse 20, Jesus saw their faith and he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. And the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were thinking to themselves, who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Verse 22, Jesus knew what they were thinking. I love that. Isn't that kind of fun? So anyhow, this is a thought. Why are you thinking these things in your heart? Which is, it e- which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven or get up and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Immediately he stood in front of them. Could you imagine this all happening in a room like this? He stands up, puts his mat together, and he goes home praising God, just walks right out. Everyone was amazed in the room. And they gave praise to God, and they were filled with awe, and they said, we have seen remarkable things today. So before Jesus walks out in verse 27, and he encounters Matthew, he encounters Levi, and he says to him, hey, hey, follow me. Hey, leave your business and follow me. Before Levi leaves everything and follows Jesus, what's happened is Levi is on the outskirts hearing, seeing everything, the awe, the amazement, the wonder, the healing, the guys that can't get in. He's seen everything happen and he sees who Jesus really is. He encounters Jesus for himself. And I just want to say to you and for all of us is that nothing else really matters except encountering Jesus. Nothing else really can hold a light to anything except for encountering Jesus. It doesn't matter how many songs we sing. It doesn't matter how great the production is on the weekend. It doesn't matter how great the videos are, how great the preaching is, how, how great the facilities are, how much your kids love the play space or, or, or the early childhood or the, or the video arcade and the, and the student center. It doesn't really matter unless we encounter Jesus because unless we encounter Jesus, we're just a glorified country club. Unless we encounter Jesus, we're the same people walking out as a walk in. Unless we encounter Jesus, nothing changes. But when you encounter Jesus, everything changes. And if everything doesn't change, you really haven't encountered Jesus. You might have encountered religion. You might have encountered church. You might have encountered some nice people that are filled full of Jesus. But you haven't encountered Jesus. Because when you encounter Jesus, it changes everything. That's why we do what we do at Life Church. That's the reason why we worship, not to entertain you, but so that you will encounter Jesus. Why? Because God says he inhabits, he dwells in, he lives in the praises of his people. That's why we do it. That's the reason why we have prayer partners that stand at the front because the Bible says in the book of James, if you have any sick among you, call the elders of the church together, lay hands upon them, anoint them with oil, pray the prayer of faith, and they shall be made whole. Why? Because they've encountered Jesus. That's why we preach the word and we preach about Jesus, contrary to popular opinion, we're going to get in the book of the Bible. Even though I got it on my iPad, it's still infallible, inspired, and errant word of God. Woo! Don't shout me down when I'm preaching good. And we're going to preach Jesus. And then we're going to pray and give you an opportunity to respond, not to life, church, but to Jesus. Because Jesus is the only one that can save you from your sins. Jesus is the only one that can restore your marriage. Jesus is the only one that can bring your lost son and daughters home. Jesus is the only one that can give you sight, that can give you hope, that can give you life, that can redeem you from your sins. He's the only one. It's all about Jesus. Amen. Amen. Somebody's like, wow, man, he had a nice rest. I did. I didn't got into my notes yet. No, I'm just teasing with you. It's about Jesus. 
And I just want you to understand something. I've been doing this gig for almost 11 years. And I didn't get into this to be known or to make money or to do any of those things. It's about preaching Jesus. And there are weekends that I walk out that I feel like I, I, sometimes people are like, entertain me. Say something I've never heard before. I don't have it. Hey, circus boy, won't you pull some trick out this weekend? I don't have it. I'm just telling you, all I have is Jesus. And that's enough. And somewhere along the way, we forget that. Do you remember when Jesus came into your life? Do you remember when he washed your sins away? Do you remember where you were? Because some of you are so old and crusty in your faith that you've forgotten. Mm, wait, I'm just telling you. I'm preaching better than you're shouting. Some of you are just, and some of you are going, wow, I've never heard anybody talk that passionately about Jesus. I've never heard anybody elevate their voice, except in a curse to use the name of Jesus. They were filled with awe and with amazement. When was the last time you were filled with awe and amazement with an encounter with Jesus? I don't care about 20 years ago. I don't care about when you were baptized in the Holy Spirit 15 years ago. I'm asking you something that's real and fresh today. If I asked you when the last time you had a great meal, you told me 20 years ago, I would seriously think something was wrong with you. I would take you to one of my favorite restaurants. And I have many. Do you understand what I'm saying? When was the last time that you were filled with awe and with amazement? That's what I'm talking about. It's Jesus. It's all about Jesus. This church is built on that. This is why we exist. This is, our, this is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior, Jesus, all the day long. And everybody's response is different. And your response to Jesus is based on two things. One is your personality. And the second is your past. One is your personality. The second one is your past. Let me explain this. Everybody's born with a natural personality. God gave you that personality. Some of you, you're, very, you're just naturally very quiet person. You're what we would call a phlegmatic. It's very reserved, very, very quiet. Just very peaceful. I'm actually marvel and amazed at the people that do this because I'm not phlegmatic. I'm totally sanguine cleric. I, I like to talk, and if I'm not talking, I want to be around somebody that is. I mean, I'm just like, whoa, where's the party? Let's go. I'm, I'm, ready. I'm always ready to eat, always ready to go. I'll get in a car, a plane, a bicycle. Heck, we, we can strap a Brig and Stratton on the back of a moped. I don't care. We're going to go somewhere and do something. That's going to be fun. That's it, you know? Some of you are like that. You're, you're, you're sanguine personalities. You're, you're always, some of you are, are, are leaders and you're drivers and you're, you're cleric personalities. Some of you are melancholies. Everything's processive. Like if, if the notes on the screen don't stay up long enough, you email somebody this week because you've got to get the second note because you, it just drives you nuts. Everything's real detailed and ordered. And, and so based on your personality, who you are is how you're going to respond to Jesus. If you're a loud, boisterous person, when you encounter Jesus, you're probably just going to tell everybody that you know. You're going to be loud. You're going to be boisterous. You're just going to be. And if you're a quiet, withdrawn personality, it's very processive. It's going to take you a little bit of time. And that's okay. That's totally fine. Be who you are. Be who God created you to be. But I'm telling you, if you're a loud, expressive person, if you're a boisterous person, if you're a passionate person, and you come to church and all you've got for Jesus is, yay, go God. Something's wrong with you. Clinically wrong with you. 
You need help. Because you've forgotten from whence you've come. It's called being dead. Don't you remember when he washed your sins away? If that's not your gig, that's not your personality, totally cool. Because some of you can kind of go, look, man, people kind of wig me out. They get a little crazy lifting up their hands, waving them in the air just like they don't care. Holla. I mean, that gets a little crazy for me. That's, okay. that's fine. I'm not, this isn't, worshiping God isn't a posture. You understand that, don't you? It's not to the heart. But if you will go and act a fool at Lambeau Field and you come to church and it's just like this, Something's wrong. And I understand some of you are raising traditions where it's reverence. No, that's not reverence. That's just called being dead. Man, he went there. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? So I'm just saying, I'm giving you permission to be who you are. Now, don't be acting crazy. We don't need, need any fruit, fruits, flakes, and nuts, right? You know what I'm talking about? But be true to who you are. So if your personality is reserved, that's completely fine. You don't need to be all crazy. If your personality is be crazy, this just don't get too crazy. You know what I'm saying? The second thing is your past. Some of you, God has done an amazing, amazing work in your life. And you get in a worship service and you just cry because of what he's done for you. That's okay. Some of you, God's done an amazing work and you just, it just comes out. It's just expressive and you want to lift your hands and you lift your voice. And it's almost like you're just singing for the audience of one. That's okay. Some of you, it, it's a deal of, of, of he's not done as much. Maybe you were raised in church all your life, and this is just kind of something that you do, and you're a little bit more tame about it. I guess that's okay, as long as your heart's right before him. And I see some of you sometimes when somebody gets really demonstrative in worship or, or in church, and again, we're not going to get crazy. Don't, 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 you need to understand that. Paul gets this very specific rules of engagement to the gate to the church of Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapters 13, 14, 15, 16. But the reality is I see some of you looking at me going, well, bless God. Pastor Cole, going to let this go on. This person over here is being very demonstrative in worship. I'm going to let it happen. First, because it really makes you uncomfortable, and I think that's funny. <laughs> Some of y'all really watch. and like, oh, watch this. If I had a camera, I don't have a camera backstage, but I, I have some fun. So, but the other thing is, is it's because, look, they're worshiping God in the spirit and in truth, and they're not really bothering anybody. They're not, can I just say something to you? I'm going to get to this in just a minute. Jesus, sinners were never wigged out by Jesus. The only people that Jesus ever really tripped up and wigged out were the religious people. We're never going to let anything happen in this church where you can't bring unsafe friends and go, and they're wigged out by it. I'm just telling you. But religious people, those of you that are crusty Christians, hold on, we're going to have some fun with you. I'm, it's just one of those deals. Because some of these people, that God has done an amazing thing, and he's, done it, he's filled them with awe and with wonder, and it's just the way they're expressing themselves. And so that's fine. But you're going to respond to God differently, and that's fine. And, and if you're reserved, that's fine. And if you're demonstrative, that's fine. We all worship in different ways. We all express ourselves in different ways. What's important is, have you encountered Jesus? And are you encountering Jesus? And is your relationship fresh and when was the last time you were filled with amazement and with awe that's the real question because Jesus will change you and Luke shows us Levi's response to Jesus in verse 27 after this Jesus went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting in his tax booth follow me Jesus said Levi got up left everything and followed him just for sake of time let me help you with this Levi was a tax collector this was Gordon Gecko on steroids. He was, 
He was greedy. Uh, the, the, the tax collectors were looked at as a chief of sinners because they worked for the government. They represented the Roman government and which, which Israel was under, under their, their, their control. And then these tax collectors would skim off the top and they would take advantage of the disadvantaged and the disenfranchised and, and, and they would take advantage of them financially and they were greedy, uh, unscrupulous, lack of integral people. They were horrific people that were all about themselves and so they were despised. And Jesus has just healed this man who was brought in from the roof and takes him out and goes out and Jesus is walking out and the first conversation that he has is with this guy named Levi who's at his booth, AKA his place of business. And he looks at him and because Levi has just encountered Jesus, he looks at him and he says, follow me. And the Bible says that Levi left everything. He didn't liquidate the business. He didn't sell it to investors. He didn't write anything off. He didn't do it. He locked the business doors. He walked away from everything. He zeroed the accounts out and left. When was the last time that you had an encounter with Jesus that you left everything behind? High school student, you left your boyfriend and your girlfriend behind because he called you to go to maybe to missions or to be a youth pastor or a kids pastor. You left a full ride scholarship behind because he called you to do something, huh? That, that's what he did. Mom and dad, when was the last time that you left everything, that you cleared out the savings account, you cleared out this account and you gave it to the poor, you gave it to some missionary and some emerging third world country? When was the last time? That's what's happening with Levi. So don't think this is flimsy. Don't think this is, is, is for show or it's emotional. This was a rank sinner who had just encountered Jesus and was filled with awe and amazement. Jesus leaves that place and the very next conversation he has is with Levi. And he says, I want you to leave everything and follow me. And he does. Here's what's interesting about this horrible sinner. Levi was also known as Matthew who will be one of the 12, who will write the first book in the New Testament, who will tell the story of Jesus. Yeah, that sinner is the one that you read every single year at Christmas Eve. He will tell the virgin birth. No wonder then in the genealogy of Jesus in Matthew chapter 1 that there's all the people of ill repute because Matthew, Levi, identifies with where he was. That was him before Jesus came into his life. And he changes him. He changes him. And, and why would Jesus associate with such a person? Well, we'll see. Because the next thing I want you to write down if you're taking notes is that the table is big and open. This will make sense in a second. The table is big and open. Verse 29 Levi says, hey, I want all of my friends to meet Jesus. So verse 29 says, Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house, house party. And a large crowd of what? Tax collectors, some bad dudes, sinners, and others. People that were so bad they can't even mention them. That's what that means. We're eating with them. Now we read that and we think it's like a Sunday school potluck. Like all of a sudden, you know, it's like, oh, Matthew, Levi. He's just a good little business guy. He's got his little H&R Block business on the corner. And he's just got his pocket protector and his glasses. And he hears all the ruckus. And Jesus comes in and says, follow me. Yes, Lord. And just takes it off. And he just kind of follows them, you know, like that kind of a deal. And why don't you come to my house? And everybody's really, you know, they're in their pressed white shirts and their business suits. And 
And they're all coming together and they've got deviled eggs and little, little smokies from, from Sam's and, and, you know, and that kind of a deal. And they're just having that. And, oh, pardon me, can I have this? And No! These were sinners. These were social outcasts. These people didn't go to church. They didn't care about church. They didn't care about God. All they cared about was their money. So these people pulled up in the biggest, baddest cars you can imagine. They pulled up to the biggest, baddest house you can imagine. There was a DJ in the corner. There was smoke in the room. People were snorting coke and people were drinking alcohol. Dirty jokes were being told and cursing was happening and Jesus walks in. You read this book way too sanitized. Isn't that what sinners do? Sure they do. Some of you, you haven't been around sinners for so long, you don't even know. All you think of is, oh, it's a little potluck, and they just all come by together. No, he's not. He just got saved. And he's, he's not bringing his Bible study buddies. Right? He's bringing his unsaved friends. And he's calling them up. He's texting them up. He's emailing them. He's putting it on e-invite. And he's basically saying, look, guys, I want you to meet this man named Jesus. I don't know how to explain this guy to you. I don't know how to do everything, but I walked away from everything. And people are going, you walked away from everything, from the house, from the car, from the everything. Yeah, before they foreclose, before I sell it, won't you come to my house? We've got a house party going. And Jesus walks up into the middle of the house. And the religious people have a heyday with it. And here was their response. Why such a big and open table? Why such a big and open table? I told you I'm going to explain that. Let's let's look at this. Verse 30. The Pharisees and teachers of the law who belong to their sect complained to his disciples. Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? They didn't do this. They believed that if they got too close to people that were like this, they'd become like this. They, dis, they disowned them. They, they held them at arm's length. These people weren't allowed to come to church. They weren't allowed to come to synagogue. They weren't allowed to do anything because they were, they were sinners. They were horrible people. And all of a sudden, Jesus, the one that had just forgiven someone's sin, the one who had, just, who had just healed the blind man, I mean, excuse me, the lame man, all of a sudden, he's in the middle of this house party. They hear the music. They see the smoke. They see everything. Is Jesus partaking of it? No. How do you know that, Aaron? Because he was tempted and tried and always, just as you and I are, yet without sin. He was in the world, but not of the world. So don't leave out of here and going, oh man, pastor said we could have a party and throw Jay-Z on it, have a DJ, and we could have music and we could have lights. Music and lights are okay, we do that in church. And smoke, but, but, I mean, but we, drugs, I, no, I'm not saying any of that stuff. I'm just telling you. How do people that don't have Jesus, how do they live? That's how they live. A hedonistic lifestyle. Jesus doesn't walk in and shut the DJ down and shut this down and that. He just walks in because who he was was transformative. Sinners were attracted to him because he was real. Because that's what they're looking for. And what they're snorting and what they're drinking and what they're huffing and what they're smoking and what they're sleeping with, they're looking for something that's real. And they're trying to fill this hole in their heart that's real and that drugs can't fill and that alcohol can't fill and that a party environment can't fill and a club can't fill, that nothing else that money cannot buy. And the leaders are going, why are you at such a place, a big party, a big open table? And here's what you need to understand. In the first century, if you were someone of importance, your table was very small. 
the table that you ate at, the table that you sat at was very small, and it was very exclusive. Small and closed table equaled importance and significance. The smaller your table were, the fewer the chairs were, the more important you were. The contrary was also true. The bigger and the larger and the more open the table was, the more unimportant you were and the more common you were. The larger your table was, if there were open seats, you were, you were unimportant and you were common. Kind of like being in high school. If you had a few select friends at your table, you know what I'm talking about? then you were cool. But if you were sitting by yourself or with a couple of losers and it was you with a big open table, there's something wrong with you. And the religious leaders of the day always had a small closed table. Even when they would invite Jesus to come to their table, and we'll read about this next weekend, when they would invite him to come, it was a small closed system. Jesus always sat, Jesus always described his table as large and open. There's always a seat open for everybody and make it as big as you want to. Why? Because Jesus will tell them exactly why he came. He didn't come for a small closed table. He didn't come for an exclusive system. He didn't come for, to, 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 for the acclaims of man. He came for the unimportant. He came for the common. He always had a seat. He always had a place. And so when Levi becomes saved, when Matthew finds faith in him, when he encounters Jesus and he throws this big party, Jesus shows up. Why? Because that's what he came for. He didn't come for the church crowd. He didn't come for exclusivity. He didn't come to be important. He didn't come to be a VIP. He didn't come to astound people or to stand for the applause of people. But he came for the brokenhearted, for the downtrodden, for the sick, for the hurting, for the common, for the broken. Whether financially they were up and over or down and out, he came for humanity. And he responds right there in verse 31. Jesus says to the religious leaders of the day, is it not the healthy who need a doctor? It's a sick. And I've come to call, not call the righteous to repentance, but sinners to repentance. Jesus tells them, hey, my mission is an open table. My mission is to have a big table and to have many seats and to be open for anybody. And when Levi got saved, when Levi followed me and he invited me, I want to meet all of his sinner friends. I want to walk right into their environment. I'm not intimidated by, 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 by the, the, the spirit of this world that controls that room. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. And Jesus walks right into that environment. And they loved him because he was real. Because he was life. Because he was what they were looking for. But the religious leaders of the day never got it. And I just want to remind all of us at Life Church, this is our mission, is to have the biggest, most open table we can. Just to preach Jesus. Just to preach Jesus. And if you're kicking tires on faith and you're not yet saved, that's okay. We welcome you. And if you don't believe what I'm preaching, that's okay. We welcome you. And if you don't believe Jesus, just come and listen. It's okay. Nobody's going to be mean to you. We welcome you. We're not going to quit preaching Jesus. We're not going to back down on the truth. We're not going to sanitize the Bible or the gospel for your sake. We're going to, because it's by the truth that you will be set free. And when the truth of Jesus Christ sets you free, the Bible says you'll be free indeed. And the freedom and the, and the, and the, and the peace that passes understanding and the joy will be yours because that's what you're looking for. But you're welcome. And we love you. That's what we're for. And people, I'm telling you, Jesus was criticized from the time he began his public ministry until the time he died on the cross. 
because he was a friend of sinners. And we, as a church, and I as a pastor, have been and will be until we're done with this world, criticized for being a friend of sinners. That's okay. Okay, you know how many people, you know, I know people that go to Life Church and they're not even saved. Great. A healthy church should have a third of the people that are totally lost as a goose looking for hope. Where else are they going to find it? You're not going to find it in a bottle. You're not going to find it in a strip club. You're not going to find it online. You're not going to find it. You're not going to find it at a party. You're not going to find it in a pill. You're not going to find it in, in a joint. You're going to find it where? In Jesus. Amen. Am I, you guys awake? I mean, I, mean, I need to get down there. I'm just saying, the reality is, is that that's where we're supposed to be. That's what we're called to be. Now, some of you religious, real crusty, y'all like, mm, let's don't get crazy. I'm, we're not getting crazy. We're not lowering our standards. You understand? We're going to preach Christ and him crucified and, and nothing less but his righteousness. And, and I believe that God is a righteous God and he calls us to holiness and pure, purity. And I believe completely in that. I believe we, we should strive for that. But I also believe a God that has a grace that is more than enough for us, that's so deep we'll never get to the bottom of it. And it's so wide we'll never be able to swim across it. And, it, and, and it's beyond us. And so we just... We rest in the, in, in the everlasting arms of Jesus because we can't do it in and of ourselves. But that's why this church is here. That's why we're here. That's why you're here. That's why I'm here. And as Christ followers, it's something to think about your own mission. Who's sitting at your table? Do you have a small, exclusive table that just is for you and your little Christian friends? A bunch of kumbaya, navel-gazing Christians? Let's don't get crazy, Pastor Aaron. No, I'm not getting crazy. I'm telling you, there are people in this church that I could lead you to, businessmen and women that I've met out there that have just been Jesus with skin on. Never even invited them to Life Church. And then they begin to ask questions. What's different about you? What's going on? All these kind of things. And then before you know it, they come and they find Jesus. And they're here. Last service, after the, the nine o'clock service, I had a young lady come up to me. She, she hugged me and she just said, I just want to thank you. She said, my family's been changed. She said, you knew my dad before we came to Life Church because you knew my dad before he was here because you were a friend of my dad when you were in the community and he was in the community. I said, yeah. She laughed. She said, my dad, probably, my dad had a bad bad." Bad problem with cussing. I said, bad? Go to hell. I mean, just like immediately, oh, Lord, don't let that get on me. Like, like it's a stench or something. Yeah, yeah, he was bad. And she said, and you see my dad now. He's in church. His hands are lifted and my mom. And she said, you've changed my family. Well, it's not me. It's Jesus. But it's because I decided a long time ago, forget this exclusive small table stuff. Let's make it big and large. I got big shoulders. You want to shoot at me? Go all day. Stand in the line. I had a senior minister one time tell me, son, are you going to be a pastor? You've got to have the mind of a scholar, the heart of a child, and the height of a rhinoceros, because that's what it's going to take. It's okay. People leave every weekend. I need something a little more. In every service, people come to find Jesus. Who's at your table? Who's at your table? What broken person is at your table? 
Seriously, you students are going to be going back to school in a couple weeks. Who's sitting at your table? Are you just with the cool kids? Why don't you pick up your tray and walk across the room and sit down with somebody who nobody else is sitting down with? Well, that's uncool. That's exactly what Jesus did. I mean, is this just Sunday morning Christianity, or do you really believe what you believe? Then get up off your rear end and walk across the room. What about that neighbor? But it's uncomfortable. Oh, yeah, it's uncomfortable. Heck, yeah, it's uncomfortable. I mean, you've got to realize, I've been raised in church all my life. I... I, I I can quote the thing backwards and forwards. I can tell you where, the, where every hymn and, and the hymns of glorious praise, every number of every song, and I can quote it, and I can tell you the time measure sequence and what, what, what key. I can, I can tell you all of that. So when you put me in a room full of people that are just, just crazy sinners, there's a little bit of like heart palpitations that go on. I get a little sweaty, like, woo, I hope no church people looking at me up in here. And that kind of, and what do I say? And what do I do? And do I laugh at the dirty joke? Or do I, ha, ha, what do you, because it's not funny. And whoa, I can't believe. And you don't put those words together. And hey, you too. And, and who's sitting at my table? It's not my job to clean the fish, but it's my job to catch the fish. That's what Jesus said. We're to be fishers of men. And I want to end today with this. How many Levi's are there in the room? Not people wearing Levi's, but how many Levi's? You've encountered Jesus. And today, by the person of the Holy Spirit on your heart, Jesus is saying, follow me. Not follow Life Church, not follow Aaron Cole, but follow me. Revelation chapter three says that Jesus stands at the door of your heart and he knocks. And if any man will hear his voice and will open the door of his own heart and invite Jesus to come in, he will come in and eat with him. Open table. And I believe there are people, there have been dozens so far this weekend in every service, grown adults, all ages, lifting their hands saying, man, that's me. I want to follow Jesus. I've encountered him. He's knocked on the door of my heart. I want to follow him. That's what it's all about. So I want to ask if everybody in this room would bow your head and close your eyes just out of respect as we wrap things up. And if you're here today and you go, man, Aaron, I'm Levi. I'm, I'm Matthew. I'm, I'm the one that I, I've encountered Jesus and I sense Jesus and I sense what you're saying and I want to give my life to Christ today. I want to follow Jesus. If that's you, I, I'm going to going to ask you to do two things. I'm going to ask you in just a second to raise your hand, and then I'm going to follow it up with a prayer. And praying the prayer doesn't save you, but if you believe the prayer that you're going to pray, you will be saved. You'll begin your journey following Jesus. That's your way to say yes. So if you're here today and you go, Aaron, I'm, I'm Levi, and I want to follow Jesus, and I'm not following him, but I want to follow him today. I'm going to ask you to do something really gutsy right now, and that's just lift up your hand high enough for me to be able to see it. Thanks. Thanks, 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 thanks. Up and back down. You can put them back down. Anybody else? That's where you are. Thanks. You're why we're here. You need to understand that. You're the guest of honor. You're why this table's been set. And you sense him right now. And he's just knocking on the door of your heart. That's you. Thanks. Just lift your hand up and say, man, that's me, Aaron. Anyone else? I don't want to pressure you, but I just want to give you an opportunity. 
Here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray this prayer together. And I'm going to ask those of you to lend your voice that have prayed this prayer before with those who are praying this prayer for the first time. According to Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, if you believe what you're about to pray, you will begin to follow Jesus. You will be saved. Let's pray this prayer together. Dear Jesus, I choose today to follow you. I open the door of my heart and I invite you to come in and be my Lord and be my Savior. I ask you to forgive me of my sins and cleanse me from all my sins. I believe that you, Jesus, are the Son of God, born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, died on the cross for my sins, and rose again, just like the Bible says. And I ask for the freedom, for the forgiveness, and for the life that only comes from following you. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, I just thank you right now for every person that responded, for every Levi in this room. Lord, as you fill them with peace and with purpose right now, just as you did Levi, he had no idea that day that he was going to be the one under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that would pen the words of the gospel of Matthew. But that's who you chose. And so as with him, Lord, you're no respecter of persons. And so every person today that's prayed that prayer, that's chosen to follow you, I just pray let the peace of God that passes understanding fill their hearts. Let, Lord, I pray, Lord, you be to them what they've been looking for, the hope, the strength, the redemption, the grace, the mercy, the life. In Jesus' name, I pray. And I pray, Heavenly Father, that you, oh, Lord God, would just be so real to them and that you would fill them with purpose, God, with purpose as you lead them and as they follow you, I pray. And I pray for all of us, Lord, as Christ followers in this room, that we won't be crusty Christians, but Lord, we'll be people, Lord, filled full of the power of the Holy Spirit, that we'll be vibrant in our relationship with you, and that that will radiate, not in a, in a way that gives people the Heisman, but oh God, let it radiate in a way that's warm and that's life-giving, just like you were, Jesus, that we would be attractional, that people in this world would be attracted to the Jesus that's in us, and that we, Lord, would listen, God, that we, Lord, would open our table, Lord, open up seats, maybe move to another table if that's what it means to be, but to allow people into our lives, take the time that we need to in order to embrace them and to love them and to tell the truth of Jesus. I pray. Help us, God. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen.